0: Hello and welcome to the A-Form show. My name is Alan George. And my name is Tisha Rao. Each week, we sit across from thought leaders and change makers in the architecture and design space of the GCC.
1: We dive deep into their professional and personal experiences to find out what makes them really tick.
0: Our goal is to add value to your day and make you all much better architects and designers overall.
1: Finally, the views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily represent the A-Form show we we'll
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. On this week's episode, we are joined by Arjan Pitt, Managing Director of UN Studio Dubai. Arjan completed his education at Delft University of Technology in the Netherlands and has since developed an extensive portfolio of work across Europe, China, and the Middle East, having lived and worked in multiple parts of the world, which we are definitely going to get into. He has a broad interest and understanding of cultural diversity. He pushes sustainability and the shaping of the future city in intrinsically different ways. Locally, he has been part of many groundbreaking projects here in the region, most notably the Wasl Tower on Sheikh Zayed Road. We are very very excited to have him on the show with us today and look forward to delve deep into his design manifesto. So without further ado, let's get into it. <music> Good morning, Arjan. Welcome to the show. Thank you
2: very much. Thank you for having me. It's good to talk a little bit more about architecture and uh, and the
0: vision of the city in general. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. So just off air, I know that we have a list of things that we want to talk about, but I think our conversation off air was so interesting that we should just carry it on. So you were kind of telling us about your history, kind of traveling the world, being a globetrotter for architecture. If you can maybe distill that for our listeners, kind of what made you want to go to different places?
2: Well, What made me go to different places is kind of the idea that architecture can be executed everywhere and that the experiences you have in different countries can only contribute to a better understanding of the world of different cultures and how they treat architecture and how you can, as an architect, contribute to the built environment, basically, not only keep it from your own perspective, Mm -hmm. trying to involve different perspectives and ideas. And I think living in these different countries, my Mm -hmm. mind is basically broadened and wider, open to all kind of influences and ideas.
0: Right. So because you've, you know, seen so many projects, been part of so many projects across the world, some of those regions being, you know, pioneers in pushing, well not pushing, but actually building sustainable architecture. Dubai as a city, like we discussed again off-air, is maybe just catching up now and is maybe not at the world standard of what real sustainable architecture is. However, if you kind of look back at the history, of the region there was a very strong vernacular that was present which you know responded to the environment and so on so from your point of view i want to understand in the global scale of things where does dubai actually fall at the moment in terms of sustainable architecture do you think that we're getting there not there still have a long way to go or what do you think
2: yeah i think i think there's still a a long way to go especially in in the bigger developments where you can see that the, the capital expenditure in these projects is focused on the building itself, not so much on new technologies or the integration of sustainable technologies where actually the operational expenditure expenses are can be lower and can be better and also better for the environment to create a healthier lifestyle and healthier environment. So I think there is a, is a big portion where we can think and rethink a little bit about how do we design facades? How do we in- integrate new technologies which make a building more sustainable? And that doesn't always mean to Introduce like solar on the building but think on a holistic way how can we make a facade perform better so you don't need this kind of cooling or how can you inspire or encourage people to not use the car so okay. these kind of elements these are kind of in Europe they develop that a lot right and I'm coming from a country where basically the mm-hmm. choice is always the bike mm-hmm. and then the car so you do everything by bike and I think that if we start there without introducing these technologies I think there's a big, big gap to fill still here in this region. And of course, if we look outside now, it's it's way too hot to do outdoor activities. But we could think about different types of mobilities as well, right? That you can have the, the electrical taxis or you know more, more smaller and and individual mobility almost, which which can be better. And in terms of buildings, yeah, I think the greenery this can also contribute to a better environment and more sustainable. And if you want to. You know, have a building not producing but using sustainable energy. I think you can do it in two ways. You can do it development, individual development, so put solar on the on the roofs, using the right colors, making a building more performative. But you could also do it like centralized, where we can see in the in the desert we have now this huge solar uh, plant, basically. And I think that's one of the two options where I we mean, can where we can really go. And they can work hand in hand, of course. Uh, right.
0: We have had a guest on the show before, a facade design. Actually, quite a few of them that kind of keep bringing the argument of buildings should not be power generators. They said that you should kind of, if you want to do that correctly, then something like a solar farm in the desert. Makes sense, and that's its purpose. And if you want to kind of bring that into an architectural facade, that may not be the best thing. They cite technology being the big problem that panels just aren't as efficient as they should be in order to actually facilitate the energy that something like a tower needs. Is that something that you agree with? Partially,
2: uh, but like you in studio has this product which is called uh, Solar Visuals. We are partially owner of you uh, studio is partially owner of this company, and where we kind of try to. To integrate both like making a facade which is the enclosure of the building which you always need and in within this enclosure there is you know you can generate power right. so if you combine the two You don't need to add something, but you use what's already there. So make the facade performative. And I think there, I kind of disagree with it. But if you go with the more traditional way of construction, Mm -hmm. yes, then it's better to do it centralized and make the facade itself as good as possible, Uh, you know, uh, performing uh, the best to the climate and also be considered about the climate we live in, right? right? The use of glass could be reduced, the use of dark colors, or maybe you could use dark colors, but then they do something with these dark colors so you right. maybe use pipes in uh, in the in the in a dark facade where you make hot water right right so right, you right, right. use something which you always need for a building is a facade right, right. and and utilize that
0: to uh, to generate energy or uh, or use it in a different way mm-hmm. okay maybe at this point i can ask Tishya as well because you've done a bunch of work in india for example mm-hmm. india of course being a very different market as compared to what we are in at the moment mm-hmm. what do you see as sustainable architecture over there what are people kind of pushing at the moment there
1: yeah, with contemporary buildings, if you're looking at general residential or like mixed use developments, um, now there's been a lot of people are adopting the whole LEED certificate system and, you know, ev- anything where you can kind of rate buildings against and get the certification. But on a more public scale, I don't think it still has a long way to go in terms of advertising buildings as sustainable. That's something that I don't think the public is still very knowledgeable or aware about. The other thing that especially if you go to like two tier cities, like, you know, in Gujarat and in like other states, let's not let's say not maybe Delhi or like Maharashtra or Mumbai, for instance a lot of vernacular architecture is coming back because these are much smaller developments. And so people kind of want to see that culture being inherited again in wherever they're living. Fair enough. So they have a long, long way to go. I think that's the summary of it. Okay.
2: Yeah, and I think I think part of the sustainability is not only an environmental sustainability; exactly. it's also the social sustainability. Right. right? How is the perception, but also how can people live healthier lifestyles, and mm-hmm. how do we use our environment? And that's in the social aspect as well, where I think if we Talk about where we live now, Dubai, where the cohesion of neighborhoods might also be improved by, you know, doing interventions right. into these developments where people have a social kind of interaction with each other,
0: live together a healthier lifestyle. And, and that's then social uh, sustainability in that sense. Exactly. Right. Yeah. No, I think this is something which which I'm sure everyone listening has seen already. The whole, the 2040 master plan, this 60% green areas master plan, which again, for someone like myself, who's, you know, sort of seen this city over the last three decades, 60% of greenery sounds really good. I mean, I remember as a child, like to walk in, you know, blinding sun <laughs> for, you know, long periods of time. But anyway, I'm not jaded. We love Dubai. <laughs> the point is that that I think brings up a very interesting topic, which you touched upon, which is we sort of have these islands, as you said, next to each other. And the only thing that connects these islands are the highways. So in a sense, like you said, the urban plan was sort of made for the car and not necessarily for the person. But I think with this new master plan, because it needs to be so green and so connected. I think these interventions can happen. I'm curious to hear from you. What kind of interventions do you see happening? Do you see these as formals? Structures? Do you see these as more, you know, sort of common public spaces? Do you see this as, you know, maybe just infrastructure? Maybe not even anything architecture related. What's the kind of vision that you see?
2: Well, I would surely hope that it's 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 common public space, public realm, which people can use uh, in the way they kind of want, right? And and connecting different islands, which we have now, we deal with the, with the, with what we have at the moment. We can, of course, in the future developments, rethink that notion. These islands can be better connected by pedestrian ways or cycling paths and all these kinds of things and bridges, which are more accessible for everyone. So I hope it's it's more public realm than that it's uh, private or you have to pay an entrance fee or anything like that. It's public, which you can use in different ways. It can be used for events. It can be used for just a barbecue in the park and, and these kind of uh, elements to it. And these interventions, I think we have to really think about how can we connect them to each other that everyone has even access to not that it's just an attractor for a certain portion of the city like it's not a marketing scheme for something exactly yeah. it's not it's something which is permanent which stays there which is for everyone mm-hmm. um and i think that will then also tie the whole city together in a way that
1: kind of like nodes like something that's connecting different parts
2: exactly yeah. exactly and and on these on these parts you mm-hmm. can have different events right. right so it's also very attractive so there's there's also a, a generation of revenue basically from from this so it's not only you don't only have to invest it also will will give you something and not only in the social way but also in in more uh, yeah revenue way right so i think there's there, this combination, which we're always dealing with, with an architecture is like the social aspects of architecture. What is our ideal approach to a city? Mm-hmm. But also how can you make a city profitable, livable? So that is also attractive for investors. Right. And hopefully they investors will see the value of, of this public
0: realm. Right. Okay. Then I may just want to ask something a bit specific because this is the first, I mean, I'm sure you've pitched a lot of projects to people in the region here. The very first thing that faces resistance is obviously a, the cost, the so-called return on investment as a developer. Do I actually make money off this? What do you think would be an incentive for developers to want to do these kind of works? I mean, how do they actually, you know, what is their incentive basically to do this?
2: Yeah, that's a- it's a, it's a very difficult one because what is the incentive for a developer to more or less spend more money on something they might not see the direct return on in, in, in money as well, in revenue? Um, I think it's, it's, first of all, it's kind of an idealism. But on the other hand, you could also think like, like with the facade, right? Every building has a roof. Maybe some buildings have an accessible roof which is accessible for everyone. Mm-hmm. And on this roof, you might have a, have a, a coffee shop or you know, you have a, a kind of public barbecue or you have someone cooking for you on the barbecue. So it can be more activated roof, right. which contributes again to the sustainability of the building as well. Right. Right. So there's these kind of incentives, I think to have a more holistic approach to different projects. And I know for, for high-rise, it will be a bit more difficult for a residential it will be more difficult because you don't want to really get this pure integration of public and private, mm-hmm. right? That's, that, that's not what you want. But for example, the uh, building in, um, in Melbourne, which will start soon is kind of a, an avenue in the city, which then goes into the building. So you can literally walk up to the building okay. and you can use that space. So the public space or the private space become public and right. then you have two towers going up. Right. And this kind of integration, um, is a good approach to it and this incentive for the developer is there because they attract more people so their their footfall is way higher because people want to see it and then they see that there are shops or that they want to live there or whatsoever I think right. that's how you can think about building more as a, as a machine almost uh, right. r- looking back at uh, at Corbusier, like yeah. that it's like um, more interacting with the city than that it's an island on itself okay
0: alright if I may then ask another very obvious problem that everyone seems to rise to bring up rather is the temperature that we have in the summer here. People say that you know, the city is only walkable for about six months. I would argue it's probably about eight or nine, maybe. And yeah, maybe now, you know, the June, July, August is where it really kicks in. I am not advocating that anyone should be outdoors at those, at those temperatures. But in your mind, do you see any kind of architectural intervention, kind of like these nodes tissue, as you were talking about earlier, is there something which can be designed to kind of counteract this? I think, I think there
2: is at least some interventions we can do indeed. And that's shading is a, is a very big thing and shading can be done by, uh, by trees. It doesn't have to be built. It can be a combination of this. Um, it can also be that these nodes have bodies of water in it, which, uh, which can even be cooled. As long as it's cooled sustainably, my opinion is always you can you can basically put air conditions outside as long as it's uh, if it's solar power, for example. Right. If we don't use uh, oil and petrol for this kind of things, then it's fine. Uh, that's my personal opinion. It's not it's not the most uh, common course. opinion, but yeah. uh, no, I think I think we can extend a little bit to this time where we can stay outside by by introducing very smart interventions using using materials using facades, uh, which have less of the effect of of the urban island uh, heating, let's say. So there are some some pretty smart inventions we can do. It's not easy because it's extremely hot here. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you compare it to, for example, um, Europe, where it's in Netherlands, especially, where it's raining almost all the time, people go outside and then you have the cold weather in the winter, people go outside. And it's easier to dress for cold weather and and wet weather than for heat. Heat. But there are definitely uh, things we can do um, with these islands, with these nodes where we can make a healthier and pleasant, more pleasant environment where we can
0: stay outside longer. Right. Okay. Awesome. So for designers listening in, there's your challenge. (laughs) I think that as designers living in this city, I think that's something we all need to think about on some level, for sure. If I can maybe pivot to another topic, UN Studio as a firm is clearly well known worldwide i don't think there's anyone who probably has not heard of them or not seen their work been part of them and so on the dubai studio is a bit of a new one i would think i mean again i don't want to put words in your mouth just kind of setting the stage could you then maybe walk us through how you know the dubai studio happened maybe some of the works that you guys are doing here anything of that nature
2: yeah no it's um we we're quite new here we we started to think about setting up an office uh, in 2020, it was just before actually the the whole pandemic uh, wow. started. <laughs> Perfect so we, timing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, actually, it is. But uh, I will get back to that in in a bit. We started to think about uh, UN Studio as a whole to to expand globally and you know uh, share our knowledge to a broader uh, public and broader developers and and uh, I think. The exposure of you in the studio is very well, like you said. But I think we can contribute a lot to uh, to the built environment. Not only the buildings itself, but also the technology which we, we put uh, efforts we put uh, in, into it. So we started uh, like a year ago or a bit over a year ago to think about how can we do that. And Dubai, of course, since we're doing here the Wassel Tower, which is under construction. Um, that's, we had people here on the ground with a lot of knowledge of how to make buildings, how to do architecture and how to have the connections with not only developers, but also with contractors and subcontractors and and so on. And we saw that... There's so much going on and the contribution which we could give in different fields. We, we thought about like uh, agriculture, indoor farming, vertical farming, but also the public space, which we discussed earlier. So all the topics which we thought we could build here, which we could do here are in this region because there's so much development going on and it's now the additional layer we can put to, to these different cities here. So that was the, was the start. And then of course the pandemic hit and we were like, actually, it makes also sense from that point of view because you're closer to the clients to the people who understand the market better than someone who's probably in Amsterdam right Right. so you can you can have a face-to-face conversation even in a in a pandemic almost Mm -hmm. you just wear your mask and you can talk to each other and you cannot fly from amsterdam into into dubai so actually it made even more sense to do that because you're close to the people and you understand each other you live in the same bubble nowadays yeah so that made sense and i i think um the the projects which we're doing or which we're focusing on also show that these kind of elements we, we focus a lot on the on cultural projects on residential buildings but then with with the view on this on this social uh, sustainability as well so this is what we're trying to uh, to build here now it's only uh, two people but we can always tap into the knowledge which is in amsterdam because we're a global company uh, we're setting up offices now in the different regions of the world because we think that's that's a very good way to to grow and understand the market better
0: right okay if I may, then ask the very obvious question, which is I was someone who studied at the Canadian University down on Sheikh Road. So I have literally seen the Wassel Tower from its inception, like from its foundation, all the way up to where it is even now. The hot topic that everyone kind of relates to that building is that whole ceramic facade that it's, you know, kind of this It looks very nice, I must say. I mean, I have only ever seen the renders, and I have seen a few samples that have been mocked up at the moment. Without getting into too much of detail, because I'm sure that's you know under a lot of NDAs and things like that. But if you can maybe tell our listeners what really is the uniqueness of this ceramic facade, the uniqueness of uh, of the ceramic facade. The ceramics
2: has been used. for centuries uh, maybe even millennia to to have a kind of cooling effect and they use it on even on, on sports cars in their brakes because they're so well in basically getting rid of the heat right. very quickly right so based on that the heat which which gets on the facade it it Released reflects immediate. back and it it re- re- relates to or reflects back to the to the environment and on top of that you know we put them on on these shading elements so you already mm-hmm. reduce the the heat load on the facade by the shading element itself and every excess heat will will be retracted by these these uh, ceramic elements right of course the whole building itself the first facade let's say is glazed and aluminium but then that these these shading elements will retract the heat a little bit further from it right. and it's quite an ingenious process you know uh, where we use also the the concept of the pearl in- industry which used to be in Dubai so it's like pearlescent and and a bit brownish so right it's kind of um, kind of tying in into different aspects of it and, and using also the environment, the environmental conditions here to, uh, to use the right material for that. Right.
0: Interesting. I makes a lot of sense. I don't think I've ever heard that before.
1: Yeah. I guess that ties into what you were saying earlier about activating that facade to do more than just, I guess, covering up what's in the inside.
2: Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's performing in a way it, it contributes uh, mm-hmm. to, to, you know, to reduce the heat load. Right. And it's not only passive; it's it's kind of doing it in an active way. Well, of course, it's a, it's a, it's a non-active material, but it has these uh, characteristics mm-hmm. to uh, to to reduce this heat load. Yeah,
0: right. I maybe then want to ask you a bit more. Specificity when it comes to facades, because you've clearly done you know high-rise buildings, multiple areas across the world, multiple climate zones, and so on. So something like Dubai, uh, the kind of climate that we're in, the kind of you know solar exposure that we get, and so on. What kind of facade, in your mind, do you think would actually be ideal here? Because there are many claims, like we discussed again off air, about you know oh we can just put solar panels on the entire facade, and you know we can generate electricity, or we can you know, have these, uh, you know, double screens, which will reduce heat gain and things like that. There's, there's many proposals. There's very few that have been implemented and even fewer that have actually documented and proved that they actually work. So in your mind, because you've done such an extensive portfolio for this region, what, what kind of facade do you think would actually work?
2: I think we can look at two different ways in this. We have, of course, the vernacular architecture, which, which deals with the solar um, very well. the buildings are inward. You have these wind towers, so they they use the natural environment in in such a way that that you can cool or keep the building cool because that's the main uh, topic and main issue with the buildings here. Using natural materials, solid heavy materials. This is kind of looking looking to history how they did it. And I think indeed the simplest method now is not using all glass buildings. Of course, the glass performs really well nowadays, but it's still You know, it's still glass and and still the sun wants to come in and the heat wants to come in. So that's one approach to try to find the best balance between how can you use the facade itself by simple design interventions, like smaller windows, uh, smaller openings, um, maybe use high-performance glass and maybe indeed use some shading elements, but these shading elements can perform. And I think the other part of it is, how can you make this facade again back to the performance? Produce something for you, right? We, we did a proposal for the sustainability pavilion for Expo. And this, this facade is basically generating water. Because summers here are very humid as well. So if right. you keep the facade cool, you okay. can see it on your own windows. You see a lot of condensation. So yeah. you yeah. see the condensation. And since you need to cool the building anyways, why not use, use this to actually generate water outside, from outside, which you can use to, to for your plants, for your gardens, etc. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the other more technological way to, to achieve something without, without using screens or anything. But if you do it in the right way, this which ger- generates water can also be used as shading elements right so it's this kind of holistic thinking of not just as a gadget but also how can it contribute to the whole building and how can it contribute to to the environment in a way and how can you use the environment you're in for your game basically right, right? not looking at the problem but trying to work with the with with it for to work towards the solution right
0: okay i think that makes sense for um for a lot of new projects definitely uh, because you definitely have a lot of room for experimentation and so on do you think there's anything that can be done for existing buildings there can be something done uh,
2: for existing buildings to rethink because some buildings uh, the building stuck here some are ready for revitalization um, maybe only interior but can also be the facade itself we can rethink the orientation of the building. So the building has now a certain orientation. What can we do with the facade to inform basically the new facade? Um, I think the project in South Korea, Hanwa, uh, is an office tower. That's a very good example of it, where it was also very done in a very smart way because the building was still operational during construction. They did it floor by floor. But the design itself, like the south facade, is... Um, is smaller openings, deals with the sun, doesn't want to get too much sun inside. But the north facade is more open and it gets, you know, the light in, but there's no real heat coming from there because the sun is never in the north, obviously. So these kind of things, if we do revitalize uh, buildings, I think these kind of smart thinking of how to integrate the design into the the conditions you're dealing with uh, and not see one building as uh, four facades and they're all the same, right. right? So we could deal with the, with the actual orientation of, of, of the facade itself. Right. And I think, yeah, there's good opportunities here to, to look into certain buildings which are ready for a revitalization or some structures which have been started construction have been stopped for years and years now. We can yeah. rethink what can we do with that as right. well.
0: True. Yeah, and we all know there are plenty of those mm-hmm. here to be done with, so... Yeah no we exactly
2: can. and i think i think that's it this we if we talk back to incentives right for developers i think that's a good incentive we can rethink actually now with 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 the technology which which uh, pro, pros, processed or proceeded into what we know now you can even make the building better
0: than Uh, what it was supposed to be. Then it was supposed to be, indeed, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I kind of then want to zoom out a bit, uh, maybe outside of facades and buildings generally. Again, because this is a very hot topic and, you know, everyone is kind of like this mad gold rush for architects. Saudi. Is that something of interest to you and studio at the minute?
2: Uh, yes, definitely. Uh, we, we do a lot of uh, work there at the moment and we all know it's now a lot of master planning and you know, generating ideas. What are we going to do? What's the best way to, uh, to build these mega cities and mega developments? Uh, so we, we are very active in that because we really see that as an opportunity to build for the future. How right. can you, how we say it, how can you future-proof the future? Right. Mm-hmm. right? Um, so we can, this, especially these projects that we can really look ahead. Uh, we can really use our, our knowledge bases, which we built over uh, numerous of decades. Right. How can we utilize that in in a sensible way and in a good way? So Saudi is very attractive for us uh, in the way that we can experiment and test and and, you know, really show that we have the knowledge to build these new cities.
0: Right. Awesome. I think you're very much on point with kind of what everyone has told us about Saudi. So... I think us as the show, we definitely have to visit some time <laughs> and go check all this out.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, to kind of like wind down the show, we have a bunch of questions which we wanted to ask you, but we kind of distill it down to one. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a fun question. You don't really have to think too much about <laughs> it. It is, you know what? I'll let Tisha ask the question. It's the final question. Yeah, it's the final
1: question. It's uh, basically if you had to choose one person, architect, whether dead or alive, that you'd like to have dinner with, who would that be and why?
2: that's that's probably the toughest question as well (laughs) because (laughs) there's so many so many many i would like to talk to you know i have admiration for so many uh previous architects uh, historically um but also yeah nowadays there's Mm -hmm. some really good talent and people who think about the built environment but for me it's always been uh, Miss van der Rohe, for mm-hmm. some reason, I think his attention to detail and his, his thoughts about, you know, how can we make this, this kind of very brutal, but very detailed buildings. It's like a one detail for a whole building. So you you think about the big detail, but he was also thinking about the urban environment. How right. do you make an entrance to a building? How do you not use the street only to, and then the building is just, next to the street but how can you make a more smooth entrance so i think how he dealt with these these topics was yeah was very good so i would like to to sit with a person like that but then on the other hand of course oscar niemeyer mm-hmm. great you know this, yeah. this this guy with so much passion and and ideas and what he contributed to to the architecture and uh, modernism in general right but yeah, and then of course, Le, what I early mentioned, Le Corbusier. That's that's more the thinking of the building and the city as, right. as a holistic thing, as a as a machine. Like yeah, right, right, right. But yeah, I think if it's one person and I can only pick one, <laughs> then, <laughs> then then uh,
0: yes. who, who's not no longer with us, uh, then it's uh, it's Mies van der Rohe. I think that's a brilliant answer because I think he's. He's one of those architects, which were truly, truly an architect. I mean, he did everything. I mean, one of my favorite chairs is the Barcelona chair. And when I tell people an architect designed it, they're like, really? Architects even do that? I'm like, yeah. I mean, that's what, that's kind of what we did. And that's maybe what we should continue to do (laughs) even. So thank you so much for your answer. Obviously, if anyone from our audience maybe wants to check out your work, um, check out UN studio. Or, maybe even get in touch with you. What's the best way for them to kind of do that?
2: Well, yeah, uh, to get in touch with us, like i said we're we're growing, we're actually uh, expanding globally, so I think to get in touch with us now as as someone who uh, who's very interested in our work and contribute to them that's that's welcome especially now and it can, you can go to our website for example currently. We are still looking for a suitable office for you in studio, which really um, shows our DNA and what is our presence here. So visiting at the moment <laughs> right. is that's a little bit difficult. But yeah, reach out. Uh, you can find uh, the different projects on our website. We are also, you know, posting on Instagram a lot of our projects with some background information also with people who worked on it, with some statements about people. There's a lot of interviews with, uh, with Ben van Berkel. Right. Who is, by the way, one of those architects who does everything, mm-hmm. right. Right? buildings, urban plans, door handles, uh, toys for kids, or playing uh, elements. So, you know, that ties in a little bit with that. But yeah, um, you can see all this work on our website and in his talks, and, and you can see that we're very passionate about architecture. And yeah, please do reach out to the way uh, you, find, uh, you find on the internet or wherever else. Right. we're always welcome for, uh, for a talk
0: and uh, an interest. Awesome. Hey. Awesome. On that note, Arjan, thank you so much for giving us your time today. I know that you are very, very busy. <laughs> so we very, very appreciate the time and kind of belief that you're giving towards the show. It means a lot to us. And we will definitely have you on again, I'm sure, in the future.
2: Thank you very much um, it was a pleasure being and I think it's a great initiative like Dubai is, is a is a hub for everything right and I think it should also be a hub for design and I think that is kind of also an initiative now with the, with the Al creative zone mm-hmm. I think the creativity here as a as a young city in a way I think with young people and, and like a really a hope and a vision for the future that that can create so much uh, or inspire so much creativity and i think this kind of uh, podcast is really a good kind of way of, of sharing knowledge sharing ideas and and talking to each other in a very like easy way about what are the ideas, what can we do, and uh, you know for the future and and what we are doing now at the moment. So uh,
0: thank you very much, and I'm happy to come back uh, soon. Awesome, and on that note, we will catch you guys next week, fellow Aformers. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for being part of our journey, and thank you for the immense support we've been receiving for our episodes. It has and continues to be a very bumpy road, but we wouldn't want it any other way. If you enjoyed this episode and it bought you value, please share this episode with anyone who may benefit from it. But of course, if you loved the episode, follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn, send us a little DM, and we may just send you a secret link to a secret episode which we've been working on. Wink wink, nudge nudge. See you next time. Keep sketching.